0: All right, let's get started here, I will pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this day. We thank you for the uh, slow return of spring, and uh, we do ask that you be with us as we uh, discuss Jesus and what he did when he came, the offices that he fulfilled, and how he did what not only we couldn't do, but what no one throughout all of biblical history had been able to accomplish. Uh, And Lord, we are so thankful that you sent him Uh, so that we could be saved. And we pray that you would open our hearts and minds and uh, that we would have good and lively conversation. And we pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So we left a little bit of uh, number 21 to discuss. And we were talking about uh, Christ becoming human, uh, how he hadn't lost a bunch of stuff so that he no longer qualified for God, but now had to be classified as man, but rather added, uh, took on to himself a human nature, a reasonable soul, and a true body. We talked a little bit about how it matters that Christ did not take off his humanity after the ascension and set it aside. I kind of am trying to remember if we were still in the midst of that discussion or if we were moving on. Um... Maybe by way of hinging those two things, someone would look up Romans 8.3 and someone else, Hebrews 4.15. A couple of best ofs from St. Paul. I said it.
1: Can you say um,
0: Hebrews 8.3? Uh, Hebrews 4.15. Who's got the Romans there? Come on, we're Protestants. It should automatically fall open to Romans when you just set your Bible on its spine. Look at this. We got Steve up in the front row and the police in the back with Margaret the Troublemaker. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I have Romans 8,
0: Let's hear it. 8, three.
1: For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh.
0: What's wonderful is this is largely the topic of our text and my message this morning uh, in the worship service. And uh, anyone have Hebrews 4.15? If not, I've got it here. I believe we read both of these last week, but they're a good uh, segue, kind of. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who, hi- who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So there wasn't a bubble of divine protection around Jesus so that he didn't really feel pain like you silly humans or experience temptation like fallen creatures. No, he was tempted in every way as we are. He was subject to everything that humans are subject to. In fact, let us write a list of things that Christ chose to endure as man. By coming here and becoming one of us, what did Jesus choose to experience? All right. Probably not as hard as the work of creating the entire universe. But um, it's different because he's doing hard work in a world cursed by sin, right? Where part of the curse was the toil, the sweat of your brow. It's not going to be the perfectly fulfilling thing that it would have been apart from sin. Rather... Jesus he didn't have a sin nature, but he lived in a world where the curse of sin was everywhere and it affected undoubtedly his work. I mean, you'd, you'd think, there, there is that uh, apostolic tradition that in Nazareth it was said that Jesus made the best ox yokes, uh, and I think we can put a little stock in it because of how ancient it is and the kind of line of, uh, the, the provenance of the statement, but Even though Jesus probably uh, made the best stuff, undoubtedly, he dealt with wood that split or with people that tried to rip him off. I mean, all the the stuff that we hate about work, Jesus had to deal with it. And when when his uh, last big creation was universe, that's got to be frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's like, it was like six days for everything. Now it takes me six days to make like one table. You know, like, so yeah, hard, absolutely hard work. Smells. Oh, okay. But I understand it smelled wonderful in metropolitan areas during the, fr- yeah, oi. Um, what, what else? Temptation. Temptation, yeah. definitely discomfort
2: um probably hunger
1: i mean he's hungry and thirsty
0: that has got to be a weird sensation now being omniscient obviously christ knows what everything will feel like and yet experiencing it perhaps i mean obviously it's a new experience when you haven't experienced it before and to be dependent on for an eternal being divine omniscient omnipotent the source of all life to be dependent on oh yeah i have to mash this with my teeth and swallow it into my stomach so that it can be gurgled up and turned into me being alive for another day that that's uh, we don't think of eating food as humiliating, but it kind of is, I guess, if you're if you're God in the flesh. Illness. Ooh. Is that a controversial? It is. And Sean's behind you, going, "Ha! You're gonna get jumped on today." <laughs> Actually, Sean, I I, I was <laughs> thinking the same thing. you are saying it out loud. Uh, what do you think? Illness.
1: Well, he has a human body.
0: Uh-huh. There was plenty of illness around.
1: He could have eaten
2: something bad. He could have, yeah. Why would body body wouldn't he? It? It isn't isn't, isn't, you isn't know, sickness a, a result of sin, though? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, so yeah. it's so yeah. hard to burn and all the other things in the fallen yeah. world.
0: Yeah. There's the world. nothing in the Bible that says he was ever sin. But his body yeah, doesn't himself. say that he ever, like, went to the bathroom either, yeah. but he did. Exactly. I don't know that. <laughs> we do know that.
1: If you're human,
0: your body is susceptible to illness. Unless you are... Have you seen Unbreakable? Uh, yes, I have. Does, does it sit weird with anyone to think of Jesus like... Sorry, <coughs> got a nasty... Doesn't it sit a little bit weird? It does with me, but I know that it shouldn't. The idea that he would never get sick is a docetic idea. That he's walking around looking like a human, but not really. Did
1: Adam and Eve get sick? No. Because they were perfect.
0: Well, Adam and Eve would have gotten sick after the fall, after the fall. living in a fallen world.
1: So, but wasn't
0: Jesus' body human? Completely yes. human, so completely divine so, as well? So susceptible to them. Yeah. 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 So the the idea that, that Jesus could not have, um, you know, eaten some... Bad. I almost said shrimp. Not shrimp. Keeping kosher. But uh, yeah, some bad figs. Um, yeah, and been like, oh, guys, no good the rest of the night. To me, it's almost like it seems like borderline blasphemy, but it's not. It's absolutely not. I think because Jesus is because we I tie in all that stuff with the other things of being human. Um, uh, being sinful. I don't know. Be- because we know that illness is a result of the fall.
1: Oh. So death. He died.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, you-, you act like you're trying to convince me of it. And I'm telling you that I'm already convinced of it, just that it sits odd with me and I have to override it with sound doctrine. Um, there was a-, a band called Code of Ethics in the 90s. They came to Cornerstone and played a show and started this huge controversy because they were selling bumper stickers, and this is weird, that said, Jesus farted. And um, that's all all said. And I remember the dean of students catching, I almost said catching wind of this. That's great. Zach. <laughs> um, hearing about this, and there was this big thing, like every once in a while, I don't know if anyone went to a small Christian college. It's like, you know, the real world meets boy meets world, oh, yeah. you know, so it's, uh, th- there's this big thing, instead of chapel, there was like a forum, and and New Testament profs and stuff are getting up going, no, no, this is brilliant, because it makes you stop and go, oh yeah, fully human, and other people are getting up going, there's no context to this, it seems very irreverent, and... Um, <laughs> Well I you know I think it's not brilliant I think no, it's not a, brilliant
1: but i mean it, it's it's true but it's pointless and why yeah. Would, yeah
0: if you know that everyone who sees it will engage in conversation with you and you can say i'm just trying to say that Jesus is truly human he's not this untouched far away but you don't so when you're driving down the street with that bumper sticker people see it they, they're probably assuming yeah, you know and really yeah yeah that, that yeah. you're and, and yeah that could be, I could actually cause someone to stumble i think yeah. I, I I saw that sticker and went Ugh, why would you ever make that? Um, but yeah, I do believe, I, I, I can say I confidently know that if Christ came and dwelt amongst us and, and was like, yeah, yank out my beard, spit on me and beat me, and I'll get hungry to the point of this, this, the tempter can come and I'm hallucinating. Of course, yeah, illness is, is in the mix. It's never specifically said in Scripture, but I, I, doctrinally, I don't know how you get around it. Well,
1: and think about, like, your life as a carpenter and how much, I mean, certainly, even though he made really great stuff, certainly, as he was learning how
0: to do that, he hurt himself. Splinter. You know? Mm. Yeah, splinter is probably a great metaphor for, like, everything that, you know, you just, day by day, have these things that, like, ah, sometimes it's no fun to be human
1: well no maybe this isn't a human thing because god is definitely exasperated but like he gets exasperated and depressed and um you know he's he doesn't um always get along with people you know just like we do you you think of him sometimes as being this like oh i'm always perfectly you know dealing with every situation he gets angry you know but I guess that's a God thing, too, so
0: it's not really a human... His anger is always righteous anger. Right. What? But, like, you think about, like, how he's kind of
1: um, exasperated by his friends who aren't doing what he asked them to do.
0: and. Um... Right. Well, so, So. yes, God was exasperated with Israel as well, yeah. but he could just be like, Ugh. Yeah. Me in time. In Jesus in America, is down with them.
1: Do to make them do, you know, like what he wanted, like stay and stay up and pray for me, and they're asleep.
0: Oh, I mean, that's the same thing with Israel and God. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, but but the the fact that you're you're in it with them, it's different to be like that guy's annoying, and I see him from afar, and <laughs> those twelve guys make me want to claw my eyes out. <laughs> And we are traveling around Galilee together for the foreseeable future. I'm sure that that, that he experienced some of that. But in that, there's temptation, right? right. To to judge or, or respond in anger, to speak quickly, and yeah. and not. You know, and, and Jesus never did any of those things.
2: Anything else? Embarrassed. Ooh. ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. Yeah. Maybe a had like a, a stain on his tunic, and someone made fun of him, or something. Well, think of all the embarrassments you go through as a kid. As
0: a kid, True. yeah, that's what I always think of. Yeah. Hmm. That, to me, that's in the same category as illness. Mm-hmm. Is there anything sinful in being embarrassed? Yeah. <laughs> like his voice cracking.
1: Like
2: for when us. He was or like something.
0: Is that... the, big bar mitzvah, right when your voice is cracking, and you got to get in front of everybody. Why would it be sinful to be embarrassed? Uh, because you're craving the praise of men, and and. Brokenhearted over or not having it, and and you're I guess it would on and you're despising being humiliated or humbled and wanting to be lifted up. I mean, yeah. in 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 being embarrassed, when I'm embarrassed and my cheeks get all red, usually it's because I, you know, I I wanted to look good, me, you know, and. I don't know. I don't have the answer. I'm just throwing it out there. It could, it could be either way. Well,
1: related to what Sean was saying a couple different times here, being bullied. Like, you could be embarrassed by somebody, not because, like, you wanted to seem really great, but because they were just belittling you, um, you know, and for no reason and not understand why they were doing that.
0: There's a um, apocryphal gospel in which Jesus is uh, not even, not even like really bullied, just like gets mad at another kid and strikes him dead, then brings him back to life. All, all of these things I think are good to think about. And, and even the ones where we're like, well, I mean, probably there are certain embarrassments, for example, that are fine to have, where you're like, and, and you deal with it fine, you deal with it well, you're self-effacing or whatever, and then there are some where the core is pride or, or something else. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I have a hard time, at least as an adult in his ministry, when he has grown in wisdom and stature, with the idea of Jesus ever being embarrassed. I mean, he gets up boldly before everyone and says things that are going to yeah. not land well at all. I don't think you see it then, but I think growing up,
1: there's no way to avoid that. I would think.
0: All the walking he did, you ever think he tripped on a stone and fell on his face? There. Well, in the uh stations of the cross he falls three times, right? That's
1: a little different.
0: <laughs> well, but I mean if, if being perfect and, and fully God, fully man means you can't drip and fall, adding a cross to the equation probably shouldn't change that, right? I mean I don't know that it's entirely different. I I, I would say and, and I'm not appealing to the stations of the cross as if they're scripture, but I would I would suggest that yeah, yeah, probably. What if he wasn't the most coordinated kid in his class? Does that mean he's less perfect? No, I mean, people are made all different ways. Some people are in marching band, and they're always being told they're on the wrong foot. Not me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, nothing in his countenance that we should desire him. Yeah, regular-looking guy. Um, yeah, th- th- there's probably no... I mean, what about even stuff like... So I'm going to open up to Hebrews 2.9. Whoa.
2: Sure, uh, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste
0: death for everyone. So, made a little lower than the angels. Right? Can you imagine being... The sovereign supreme, for uh, ever, and then a lower rank now than your servants, made a little lower, a, a lowered rank, uh, and that's he, he just he just does it. He not even think about it. He just does it because he he loves us. Um, what about overwhelmed? Yeah. You said exasperated. God can be exasperated, but overwhelmed, I think, is a human thing.
1: What about... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, It's a good word for this. Well, okay, so rejected, although people rejected God as well, so I don't know if that's it. But, like, what about in in relationships? Like, just because he never got married doesn't mean he never liked anybody. And what if he was rejected? You
0: know, like, you have that
1: possibility.
0: Okay. He was married to Mary Magdalene, but... You guys haven't read that book. It's really, really super great. <laughs> uh, um, how about uh, Acts three? I'll flip to that since I already have a bookmark there. Pretty much, Acts three, nineteen to twenty-one. What do we hear in this verse? Uh, Repent therefore and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out; that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Uh, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Um, it's a little bit of a, a stretch to make that the proof text for the idea of locale, right? God who is everywhere being somewhere. Yeah. That That's quite limiting. I often wish that that wasn't the case for me, right? It'd be three places at once. That would be overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> he had to obey okay. his parents. <laughs> yeah, a lower rank, lower station submit, submitting. Now, some would say, hold on, hasn't he been submitting to the will of the Father for eternity? Uh, there are Trinitarian things we can talk about. Uh, Interesting, too, because then
2: uh, when he was being tempted, like he cast Satan out but he couldn't cast him out of the desert, or, or didn't from his presence at that time, mm-hmm. you know? Say that again. He
0: cast him out of heaven,
2: but he didn't cast him out of his presence at
0: during the temptation. At the end, he did, right? Away from me, Satan, and, and Satan takes off uh, to come back at a later time, but he does endure him.
1: He does that for the 40 days so that he can say, yes, I've been tempted, just like all y'all, so...
0: Of course, we don't think that his temptation was just limited to to that time at the end of the 40 days either. Uh, That's not... Well, I mean, I guess there are some who would say tempted in all ways means those three categories, right? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Uh, But in my mind, and sorry if if this is the case, but if that is the case, it seems like uh, that's not tempted in all ways. I mean... In that one instance, you mean? Yeah. I mean, we have to assume that being in the midst of all this sin you know that he was tempted to cheat off a friend uh as a as a child he was tempted to cut some corners so he could make a few extra things and make a little extra money to support his mother you know the, rather than do his very best on each thing that he was making and that, that all these temptations that come into us that they were there that they were real because
1: yeah, yeah. you you have a lot more and different temptations when you're surrounded <coughs> by people than when you're alone in the desert. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the reason you have so many temptations
0: is all these other people, you know, and how life is. Yeah, absolutely. So, so his giving, especially people who are picking at him at every moment, his enemies trying to trap him all the time, and then his disciples who were just like, "Duh!" Yeah, the temptations all over the place. He had to
1: endure being lied about. Okay. Yeah. His word against somebody else's.
2: And just during the, during ancient times, there had to have been lots of like bandits and criminals trying to make him a victim, and he could have just you know changed it immediately. But he probably endured. Was his house ever robbed from, or you know? Probably happened all the time.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. In the. Uh Good Samaritan, the shock moment doesn't come when the guy's jumped and beat up and his stuff tank, and it comes at the end when it's a Samaritan. that They're like, oh yeah, of course these guys beat up on the road, traveling on the... And, and Jesus traveled a lot, Yeah. awful lot. Yeah. So what about Brassum? Would
1: that be something? Yeah, like he has to, to endure what people said about him. Yeah, because like, I'm, I'm, the fact that he talked to the Samaritan woman at the well, I'm, that's... Not something that a Jewish man would do. So there's probably people that misinterpreted that within the Samaritan community.
0: Yeah, and and of course he tells us, Blessed are you when people say all sorts of false things about you because of my name. Um if we're talking about him in his hometown. Yeah, rejected by his his hometown. Those are the people you really want to impress, right? In the <laughs> flesh. All those people who yeah. didn't think you'd amount to anything, and then they tried to throw him off a cliff. That's a saddest story. He just walks away at the end, rejected, and oh, and 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 you know he felt all the sorrow and, and rejection of that. It wasn't like he was above it, floating away. Like, well, you're going to regret this someday. Um, truly, they they would if they didn't repent. But he was a man of uh, of sorrow, acquainted with with grief. At least his mom supported him. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, he did have a really good mom. Uh, Let me read uh, a little passage from Alexander White's Commentary on the Catechism, which is uh, super worth getting, and you can get a PDF of it for free online. I should link to that on our uh, resources page on the website. Uh, Alexander says this, The life of Christ, the God-man, is, or may be, our life. As Adam was the bitter fountain of original sin... "...as all infirmity, impurity, languor, and mortality of the body, and all unbelief, ignorance, malice, hatred, falsehood, and selfishness in the soul has its rise in Adam and in his sin, so all our graces, faith, love, peace, holiness, hope, all have their wellspring in Jesus Christ. He is the vine, we are the branches. He is the head, we are the members. He is the son, we are the children. Great is the mystery of godliness." God manifest in the flesh and then in the flesh made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. I think that's a very powerful statement that the life of Christ, the God-man, may be our life and is our life. In fact, that was kind of the, the premise of uh, School of Prayer, With Christ in the School of Prayer, which we studied for a couple of years uh, on Wednesday nights. But we learn from all this that that man is not necessarily and always a sinner. That to be a human and to be a sinner are not necessarily and always the same thing. And I think, you know, to err is human. To forgive divine. That's from Second Hesitations nine twelve, I think. <laughs> you know, to to err is subhuman. We do it all the time as humans. But and, and the scriptures tell us that there's no one who hasn't right fallen into sin and error but we don't want to equate that with being human then that becomes well i'm always going to do this right so no not not necessarily there's a venn diagram which is humans and sinners and the overlap is like (laughs) but we get to move toward that that uh, slice right and and we get to Uh, following Christ, more and more live the life that he did and not the life that the first Adam did. A life of not giving in to temptation. A life of glorifying God with everything that we do and say and think and want. And in that way, I mean, if, if you're someone who doesn't understand the gospel, and I would argue that even people who are very, very smart and are New Testament scholars but aren't born again don't really understand the gospel with their heart, and you, read, and you read the Gospels, you read the New Testament, it's easy to go, wow, this Jesus is just so perfect, and he's up here, and we look at him, and we feel like garbage because we're down here, and we're imperfect, and we're sinners. But if you're born again, and you look at Jesus, and you feel the tractor beam, you become more and more like him because you love him more and more, and he is walking with you. And the idea that, Human and sinner are synonymous, falls apart in the Incarnation. We, it, it, you know, you could say, well, sure, Adam and Eve were without sin in innocence in the garden, but it was inevitable, because they're human, that that was going to fall apart. But Jesus didn't die at 33 because he was about to sin, and he wanted to get off the ride before he messed it up. He could have lived to 50,033 and still not sinned. Humanity and sinfulness are not that's that's category confusion they are not one and the same uh and that's freeing very freeing to remember i can get up and follow the first adam or i can get out of bed and follow the second adam today i can i have whether you're a calvinist or arminian we all agree that those who are born again have the free will now unshackled from their uh the the tyranny of sin the world and the devil to today walk in obedience. And that's good news. And when you start doing that, I find the devil is usually like, hey, but what about that other time when you didn't? Shame. In which case, it's good to say shut up. Like Kevin McAllister to his furnace. Alright, what time is it? We got time to look at 22. This is this is to me. Some of the best stuff that the Reformed tradition brings to Christology, these next four questions. I, I really love thinking about and talking about this stuff. Question, what offices does Christ execute as our Redeemer? Answer, Christ as our Redeemer executes the offices of a prophet, of a priest, and of a king, both in his state of humiliation and exaltation. Whew. That's such good stuff. Hey, anybody want to hear an old-timey sermon illustration? Robert Aitken, a bookseller in Philadelphia, was the first person who printed a Bible in that city. He was a Scotch seceder and a very godly man. I hear that meaning Scottish, Sean, not... Well, well, he kept a bookstore. A person called on him and inquired if he had Tom Paine's Age of Reason for sale. He told him he had not, but having entered into conversation with him and found he was an infidel, you know, how some people are infidels, (laughs) he told him he had a better book than Payne's Age of Reason, which he usually sold for a dollar, but would lend it to him if he promised to read, and if after he had actually read it, he did not think it worth a dollar, he would take it again. The man consented, and Aiken put a Bible in his hands. He smiled when he found what book he had engaged to read, but he said he would perform his engagement. He did so, and when he had finished the perusal, he came back to the bookseller and expressed his deepest gratitude for his recommendation of the book, saying it had made him what he was not before, a happy man. For he had found in it a Savior and the way of salvation. Aitken rejoiced in the event and had the satisfaction of knowing that this reader of the Bible from that day onward lived a consistent Christian life and died with a hope full of immortality." The Bible is great, but if you don't find a Redeemer in it, it's probably not worth your time. Right? Jesus said you search the Scriptures because in them you think you find life. But these are the scriptures that are all about me, and you haven't found me in them. And so we want to make sure, and I'm talking Old Testament, New Testament, genealogies, weird laws about white hairs and skin spots, all of it, that we find a Redeemer in God's Word. Uh, And it's all pointing, weirdly, this also is central to my message this morning. It all fits together, providence, Uh, that it's all pointing to Jesus Himself and Christ, as he executes uh, his his role as Redeemer, also then steps into these three offices of prophet, priest, and king. And have you who's heard this before? This threefold pairing. Okay, yeah, it, it, it's not a really ancient thing like I had assumed when I first encountered it. I was like, oh yeah, obviously church fathers or somebody. No, this is Reformed theology, but it's. Wonderful stuff, uh, and it's undeniable once you see it. Uh, so, what what do we mean by office? Does he have three offices like in heaven? <laughs> so
1: like a bowl
0: or a yeah. Comes from the word officium. Uh, it's like like uh, how myself and Pastor Mani are ex officio members of every committee that might ever form. You could form a committee at Judson that was like the committee to go into the woman's room and light a candle and sit on one of the couches and just be away from everybody. But if it's officially a committee, Monty and I are ex-officio members of it. We probably wouldn't come to the meetings, but we could uh, because ex-officio means out of the office, out of the virtue of holding this role, this position, Uh, not because we're elected and re-elected and re-elected. An ex-officio, by the way, doesn't mean unofficial. a not voting member. If you're really an ex-officio member, you can vote. Um, you, can, you can have a say. You can be like, I think that we should have no couch because it's a bathroom and that's weird. But hey, who understands the mind of women? Um, we don't have a couch. Not anymore? No. Oh, I remember you and I dragged it out to the dumpster because it was disgusting. <laughs> but anytime I've been a guy who cleans restrooms... I've always been like, why are there so many places to sit in here? Is women nurse babies. Is that what it is? That's a big part of it. Did you know that? I didn't either. I, I always thought they were just like they sitting in, the in there while other people I were. Okay. Sure. Well, you learn something new every day. And then we took the couch out. Um, okay. I don't think you want to sit on that couch. <laughs> it was soft. And like, I think of all the bacteria that must have been sucked into it. How did we get on this topic? I don't know. Let me save it by saying this. It was me. Um, it, basically, when we talk about wearing different hats, right? Somebody wears different hats. Richard uh, is the, well, not anymore, but he was the financial secretary, also the, uh, one of the elders, and that is two different offices. And so if we were at the meeting and it came time for the financial report, Richard essentially would take off the elder hat, put on the financial secretary hat, or Sean with treasurer and deacon, um, and you guys are all trying to get out of all this stuff, right? Now you're, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, you, you know what I mean. Then different hats, different different roles. In fact, this is sort of like when we said modalism is a heresy. What people were viewing the Trinity as that there's one God who's like I'm going to put on the sun hat now. I'm going to put on my as if they're different offices. That's heresy. But Christ does. Uh, execute three distinct offices in what he does, and they're always done for others, never for self. In fact, that could be said of any office if it's properly executed. It's done for others, not for self. Christ has... What's that, Sean? I'm not the treasurer for me. That's for <laughs> Right. <laughs> we tried to take it away, and he's threatened a lawsuit. <laughs> let's. There, there are many different titles that Christ had. Let's. Well, since we're making a list today, let's make a list of, of some. What are, what are some of the titles?
1: Wonderful Counselor.
0: Wonderful Counselor. That's a, a good starting point. Yeah. Oh, where's Penny? She's got that
1: yeah, thing.
0: She's right there. The banner Or that Amy Grant song, "Wonderful Counselor." I see moms dancing to that whenever I hear it. Fun mom energy. Lord of life, Lord of all, Prince of peace. Yeah. Redeemer. Like pence. <laughs> Prince of pence, hopefully. Um, how about the. Oh, I had one and then it slipped away because I was thinking about pence. King of kings, I love it. Lord of Lords, Alpha lazy. and Omega. Nice. Yeah, you go to Revelation 1, 2, and 3 and you find lots of these titles. Alpha and Omega. Yes, good shepherd. That was the one in the early church that was kind of their prominent view of me. he's always portrayed as a shepherd with a sheep. And, you know, they're all valid. But that one to me really hits home of what he came to do. Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How about Messiah? That's a title. That's not Christ is not Jesus' last name. And also, I don't think I need to say this, but H isn't his middle initial. Um, Christ or Messiah are the same word in two different languages. And what do they mean? Anointed one, exactly, yeah. So, Christos or Mashiach both mean anointed, and um, when you have it as a title, then it's what's called a substantive, means the anointed one. You didn't put Mighty God up there. I'm sorry. Yes. (laughs) 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 I I think Rich Mullins might have written that. Almighty the Almighty One. You see, you hear... Oh, I don't know. Is that an Old Testament? No, Penny, what's on Uh It's like <laughs> yeah,
1: that's a
2: hundred.
0: Yeah. it? Is it Savior? the Great uh, Savior. Absolutely. Well... Oh, yeah. Yes! Emmanuel, God with us. I am. That one got him in trouble. Of Tell them the I am needs the donkey, and they'll be like, okay. Holy, holy one. Oh, yeah. Holy yeah. one. Holy one also, sometimes holy one of God. We're not making any additional points now, but this is just nice. I, this, I could do this all day, right with the red marker. You guys have to do the work and come up with this stuff. You
1: have thought
0: of any that we haven't thought of? How about? like you have one. Oh, I have a lot of them. <laughs> Shiloh, and that one's a little bit contested until Shiloh comes. Son of God, absolutely, yeah. Didn't he call himself
1: Son of Man? Is that-
0: Son of Man is a messianic title, absolutely.
1: Oh, uh, John calls him the Word,
0: and the Word, right?
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. He calls himself the Way, the Truth, and the Life.
2: Anything else? I've run out of room in my little
0: area. <laughs> okay. I don't want to start Aaron's area long. is that full. Has like two things in it. Okay. That we could go on and on. There are so many every title is kind of a different aspect of his mission, right? Um, the Prince of Peace is different from the King of Kings. One of them implies conquering Victor, one of them The you know we think maybe of of him coming on the white horse of war in the book of Revelation with a sword in his hand and a tattoo down his thigh ready to uh, you know bring the blood up to the bridles of the horses. I think I'm mixing some pictures, but um, Prince of Peace. However, we think of him coming lowly on the donkey and and uh, ready to endure everything on our behalf. Same Jesus, different aspect. Um, Good Shepherd and Lamb of God seem completely contradictory because in one picture, you've got both a shepherd and a lamb, and you're like, how can he be both? Uh, well, I mean, how can, how can we be said to be his uh, brothers and his bride? I mean, th- these are not literal things. These are pictures to help us understand who he is. And in the same way, even though they're not explicitly laid out, there are three... Uh, aspects, three pictures of of what Jesus came to do that I think are encompassing of all of these titles, all of these things that the prophet, the priest, and the king are fulfilled in him. And this isn't arbitrary. Where do we get these three offices? Yeah, in the Old Testament, this is kind of the core of the Old Testament economy of grace, right? Read these historical books, which are the ones I think guys tend to read more than ladies because they're full of people getting stabbed all the time and, and uh, you know, details of how they were stabbed and what fell out of them when they were stabbed and stuff. But uh, if you read First Samuel through Second Chronicles, for example, every pericope, meaning every episode, every scene, each and every one includes a prophet, a priest, or a king, or more often, more than one of those interacting with each other. It's, it's the, the core of how God uh, brings his truth to bear in the lives of his chosen people. So what, what is the, the point of a prophet? To, to proclaim the
1: word of God. Yeah, to like give God's messages and interpret God's messages.
0: All right. You want me to erase it? No, do whatever you want. Yeah, something I just did really upset you, I could tell by your... It just reminded me, I had a
1: a Western Civ professor who wrote notes in cursive on the board, and when he ran out of room, he just changed chalk colors and wrote between the lines. Oh, good. And it drove me insane.
0: I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight thinking about that. (laughs) (laughs) Horrifying. So, prophets... We might say... Uh, down, right, from God to people bringing the message. Like Jonah, he's told, go to Nineveh, say this. What was he supposed to say? Anybody? Anybody? Or? Die. And he was like, that's not harsh enough. I don't want to go. What about priests?
1: That's the other way.
0: Right, yeah. Okay, so the they would take the the people's, Uh, sins and expiates. they would basically speak to God on behalf of the people rather than to the people on behalf of God we have two ends of the communication then by the way being too clever you put those together and some people think that's part of the origin of the star of David or shield of David Um, since I have that tattooed on my arm and I'm no longer dispensational I like to hold tight to that idea uh, and then king, obviously, the idea is to rule or reign, right? All three of these are perfected in Christ. Name me as close to perfect example of any of these from the Old Testament, and you are describing a huge screw-up to me, yeah. right? <laughs> Prophets, you'd think... These guys are, you know, so heavenly minded. They never no, no, They're always like, you want me to do what? Um, Elijah's having temper tantrums, yelling at God, just kill me. I can't do this anymore. Literally. Think about it. if you went into your boss's office and were like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. Kill me. Um, and then think your, your boss is God. Uh, you've got, you know, like Ezekiel's challenging things that God tells him to do. Jeremiah's always... Oh. So, yeah, <laughs> that was flippant. Priests. Well, there are some really good ones. For example, Hophni and Phineas, right? Caiaphas, Annas. I mean, like, there's so many priests who the power get to them because there's authority there. There's, yeah, like the case in certain churches, there's the ability to just kind of sit back and enjoy a lot of benefits. Right, Like, well, I uh, get all the good. In fact, um, you, you have with Hophni and Phinehas, they weren't even content with the, the portion given to the priests, which was like the best portion. They're like, no, we're taking most of it. And you can live on a little bit. Uh, or think about Nahed, Nadab and Abihu. The, well, yeah, we're supposed to do these particular things, but we got to get creative with it. And so there's, there's no end to the examples of, of just uh, sinful priests, kings, Who's our best example? The guy who like ogled a woman and had her husband killed. Oh, and her husband was like one of his top warriors and good friend who was devoted to him. I mean, none of these people are anywhere near adequate, let alone perfect. Uh, And yet Jesus comes and we're going to see in the next three uh, questions and answers. He perfectly embodies and executes these offices in what he does. And it's very fitting because the economy of grace now is rooted in one man, one mediator, not we got one class of people bringing messages up and another bringing messages down and another ruling over and and, uh, with the authority, no, all in Jesus now. And in every sense, he does it perfectly. Uh, He mediates and reigns over the people. What is the... We only have a couple minutes. Let's just delve into this. What is the history of each of these offices? Like, who's the
1: first?
0: Yeah. Well, maybe not the first, but where where does the whole thing come from? And maybe who's the first in some cases?
1: Well, the priest was um, Aaron, right? He's the one that threw the gold into the fire. Yeah look well yeah.
0: what a great guy <laughs> well yeah he but he did he just said we threw it in and out popped that's like when you're a kid and your parents <laughs> catch <it> and you're <laughs> like i don't know <laughs> 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 that's hilarious but but yeah so but before aaron there was melchizedek a priest but the priesthood that that uh, we think of is the aaronic priesthood but in hebrews we're told that jesus is a priest in the order of melchizedek so priesthood really goes back as far as any worship does. Uh, and the idea of priesthood may even be kind of present, uh, at least in an implied way, in Abel taking the best of his flock and offering it up to God, right? He's serving as a priest, uh, and you know we have Job doing similar things for his children and stuff. So this priestly uh, thing becomes an order, and it's based on... You know, being a Levite and then being a descendant of Aaron, uh, that's the history of it. It becomes then a group of people, ideally, who were dispersed among the whole land, there to minister to people in every uh, allotment and inheritance, and then called by lot once or twice in their life to come back to uh, the, the temple or the tabernacle or where, or the guy's house or wherever the ark happened to be at that point in, in the history of Israel and minister. Uh, doing the prayers the showbread the incense all of that stuff that's the history of it and when jesus arrives how do the priests treat him (laughs) not great nope uh they are the ones uh who lead the lead the whole conspiracy of this guy's got to die and i think one of the most heartbreaking but also incredible things in the gospel is when the high priest stands up and says it's better for one man to die that the entire nation might live, and he's trying to justify himself. And then we're told he didn't realize he was prophesying because he was high priest that year. Uh, and it is true that it's better for one man to die, and Jesus lays down his life. Um, King, that's a pretty easy backstory, story. Yeah, well, the end of the judges period, right? The people all have been... They've all been doing what's right in their own eyes. They don't like the results, so they say we well, want a king like the nations, like everybody, all the other nations. They've all got these awesome kings. Can't we have one? We can't see you, God. Not that you're not a great king. Um, and God says, "What? You're gonna love it,
2: <laughs>
0: like guys. You don't want this. Trust me. Yes, we do. All right. Who's most like the other nations? Saul. What'd you say, Aaron? Like it's a, again, like." Kids, I want this. No, you don't. <laughs> Have you ever seen the video? The kid who was, his mother was baking and he kept begging and begging for the cocoa, like the powdered cocoa. And she, she gives it to him and he just starts crying. And I usually just feel bad when kids are crying, but that made me feel good. Um, so yeah, the, and, and from the get then, Saul is a disaster. David is pretty good, but as you watch the arc of his life, he, it's all it's all Im- consumed by the power and seeking glory for himself seeking pleasure for himself Solomon same, same thing he gets he gets taken out of the knees um, remember that scene early in uh, uh, Second Kings where that sheriff is like when you go down it's gonna be over a skirt and Bruce Dern was the sheriff Um <laughs> I had too much coffee, and I got too much sleep last night. Uh, it's probably time to wrap this blessing up. Prophets, uh, this, again, goes back to the history of, of all religion, right? I mean, the notion that God speaks through oracles. What did they call prophets earlier, before they were called prophets in Israel? Starts with S. Seer. Seer, exactly, yes. Yeah, so we're told uh, that when they're going to uh, get a new king, because Saul is uh, garbage, uh, that he... he that people would say let us go to a seer and Samuel is one of these guys and Samuel then is led to Jesse's household and What's the first
1: example we have of a prophet though I mean, you had people doing priestly things before like who
0: would mm-hmm. be I mean Adam's undoubtedly telling Seth about what God told them right right or even telling Eve what God told him before right. so so it, it before the formalization of kind of this religious structure he would
1: even be kind of a king in a way because he's given control
0: and so the first adam is in a sense prophet priest and king and is a dumpster fire the second adam comes and is and you and i wouldn't have been any better i mean i would have i would have dropped the ball much faster Uh, i would have been like name these things (laughs) and that would have been it (laughs) let's go to the lord in prayer heavenly father we thank you so much that jesus came as our prophet our priest and our king we thank you for every title that he's given in scripture and lord uh, we we are so stoked for eternity to praise him and think about and meditate on each of his titles and everything he's done for us and and all of his acts of creation and everything that that our god has has done to glorify yourself where we want to be part of that chorus lord and uh, As we, in the next week or two, look at these different offices of prophet, priest, and king, we pray, Lord, that we would, uh, leading up to Easter, during this Lenten season, just come to a much deeper appreciation and understanding of all that Jesus had to uh, accomplish on our behalf in order to truly be the Redeemer of men. We're so thankful, again, that that he chose to endure uh, this little list of things we came up with and undoubtedly countless more so that we could enjoy your presence. Uh, Lord, we, we will never stop giving you thanks and praise for that. In your holy name we pray. Amen.